you give your baby in a way unsub, which to me is just dreadful. It's like saying, all, having all these people come and say, yeah, you know, your baby's kind of ugly, but I'm sure someone else thinks it's pretty. You know what I mean? Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, author Sarah Nicholas, and literary agent Sarah N. Fitz. Sandra A. Block graduated from college at Harvard, then returned to her native land of Buffalo, New York, for medical training and never left. She is a practicing neurologist and proud Sabres fan and lives at home with her husband, two children, and impetuous yellow lab. Her work has been published in the Washington Post. Little Black Lies is her debut, a finalist in the International Thriller Awards, and The Girl Without a Name and The Secret Room are the other books in the Zoe Goldman series. And What Happened That Night, her standalone. Girl Overboard is her first young adult thriller. So please welcome Sandra to the show. Hello. All right. So we're going to talk about your journey to publication today. And we're going to start by going all the way back to the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in writing? And then how long did it take from then before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? And I happen to know you got serious about pursuing publication at two different times. So feel free to talk about both of those. Yeah. So I knew always is pretty much the truth. I um, sometimes give this talk where the first line is, I always wanted to be a writer, so I became a neurologist. So it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I took some detours along the way. But honestly, when I was maybe six and I was sort of writing poetry without knowing what it was, Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to be a writer. In college, I was an English major, but I was also pre-med. So I kind of straddled it for a while. One summer, I was working at the Buffalo News, and I was also shadowing a psychiatrist. I was straddling it, you know, really for a long time, and basically just decided kind of out of, partly out of fear and partly out of interest to go the medical route. I really did find the brain fascinating, though I thought I would be a psychiatrist and I ended up being a neurologist. Mm-hmm. which was a better fit for me, but still brain-related. And I just had a hard time really just turning it off. So I would say around age 26, 25, somewhere in that range, I started writing again. I wrote a book called Scalpel. It's kind of funny because it was a book that took place in Buffalo, medical thriller, and the big, like, huge Part of the book, the whole premise of the book was that there was an anesthesiologist who is selling drugs from his clinic. And now that's like a Tuesday in Florida, right? That's like (laughs) nothing. So I just think it's funny how things have changed. But that back more than 25 years ago, that that was like, that would have kind of been a big deal. But anyway, I tried to get agents, and that was the old kind of fashion days when you would actually send out SASEs, you know, you mm-hmm. put it on your, I did have a computer at least, so I wasn't handwriting them, but, and I sent out probably literally a hundred of them and I, I didn't do it totally scattershot. I mean, I did take the advice of looking at books and reading who they've acknowledged. And if it's kind of book that's in your genre, maybe write to that agent. So I, I did that. 
I got a couple of, you know, positive responses in that. I got one person that said, my colleague may be interested. And I sent it to the colleague and they were like, well, we'd have to do a line by line rewrite. And I don't really want to do that. And I thought, oh, no. well, I don't really want to do that either. So, <laughs> so it was probably good that we didn't hook up as a agent pair. And then the other one who I really was hopeful about called and said, you know, I'm not going to represent you, but I just want to tell you writing's really good, like hang in there, which is a really good thing to hear, but it was still, you know, you hear there's an agent on the phone and really exciting, and then it's not what you want to hear. So basically at that point, I was like, it was very difficult and I had a new baby and, you know, mm. I decided I'm just going to kind of take my ball and go home. <laughs> so I did. and. Over the years, I mean, I I would write, and I would write three chapters of something, and I'd write a chapter of something else, and there's just all of these old kind of half, not even half novels, maybe an outline in four chapters or 5,000 words, something like that, in a bunch of computers over my life here that never really became a book. And then... Around age 40, I became more serious again, where I was like, you know what? I was doing this yoga class at the time, which sounds like completely unrelated. And it is kind of, except that it was my husband's 40th birthday present to me. It was a yoga, hot yoga class. Mm. Have you ever done hot yoga? Mm-mm, no. no, it's really hot. <laughs> yeah. Really hot. And I managed to injure myself, which is kind of amazing in yoga, but I did. Yeah. So I don't do yoga anymore. But at the time I was really into it and there was this sign in the room and it said something like, it was from Bikram Yoga and it said like, you're never too old, you're never too broken, you're never too tired to start over from scratch and try again. Mm. And it really kind of spoke to me because a lot of the excuses I had were like, oh, you know, that that's past me. I'm so tired. I don't have the words anymore. I'm not really, you know, that just isn't who I am. That, that ship sailed. But in the end, I decided to just give it another go. And that's where I became kind of serious again. Once you decided to, you know, try again, how did you learn more about the publishing industry, like how it works and how to go about querying and all that different stuff? So... As I said, I was an English major from Harvard, right? So I was like, oh, you know, I'm like the best writer ever. I know everything I'm doing, <laughs> you know, and then I thought to myself, maybe that's just not true. And maybe you have talent, like God-given passion, but you may not really know what you're doing when it comes to writing a book. So I read books on writing, one of which I really recommend. It's called like should probably look it up exactly. Thanks, but this isn't for us. It's a not-so-gentle guide to getting off the slush pile, I think it's called. And it really went over a lot of things. I mean, it talked about plot, three-act structure, sensory details to pull readers in, talked about, you know, what's a scene, what's not a scene. She had this whole thing called deal breakers, which would be like just Let's say the killer was really obvious from, from day one, you know, that just mm. wasn't going to fly or the hero was really boring. Like, well, mm-hmm. do you really want to hang out with that person for 350 pages? And 
kind of just went over a lot of things which I wish I had read in the first time because I read I looked at a lot of my mistakes. And so I did that and that's kind of what helped me write a better first manuscript. Mm. And then from there, another thing I did, which was kind of funny, is I just happened to be writing a, reading another book. I forget what it was called. It's really about, it's a book about queries more exactly. You might know since you're definitely zeroed in on that. But it talked about one of the questions was to agents, what do you not want in the first scene? Or the mm. first, like, first paragraph, let's say. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, don't write about the sky. Like, everybody writes about the sky. Don't do that. Or and it was one other thing about the wind. <laughs> and then there was another thing that said, oh, God, don't do a dream scene. No dream scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please don't do a dream scene. Like, 10 different agents. And you know what? My first scene was a dream scene. <laughs> so I really, like, Again, I could have been like, but it's such a good scene. I have to keep mm-hmm. it in there. But I said, you know, I think if 20 agents are saying they hate dream scenes, maybe I'll move that to chapter three and kind of do it more immediate res. And I'm saying that wrong, I'm sure. But <laughs> so I, the first line was she picked an invisible bug off her face. And it's just about a patient that's, you know, like on amphetamines and thinking mm-hmm. she's got bugs. So that was definitely, I think, a help. And then I sent out query letters, but this time I only sent out two because I sent out one for the agent for Tess Gerritsen because, you know, medical thriller kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And then I sent out another for Rachel Ekstrom. And that one, there was like, I was just Googling it and it was one of these new agent alerts kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it said that she was, looking for someone who could make her heart beat faster than riding through Brooklyn traffic on a bike or something. Mm. So anyway, I decided, well, you know, why not go there? And really quickly after she asked me for a, I think it was a full manuscript. She has you send a partial to begin with. So that's why the second time around, it took two letters, which was very lucky. And also, I think because I just knew a little more. And were those emails at that point? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, definitely a change. Can you kind of break down for us your journey from that moment to signing your first book contract? Yes. I was going to a cruise and she left a message on the machine while the voicemail saying, I loved your book and I really want to represent you. So, of course, that was like one of my best days ever. And I'm going on a cruise with my family. And I was just like, I was thrilled. It was just a wonderful time. Then we come back. The book was initially called Psych Ward. And she said, that's too horary, which, you know, at the time I didn't really have any clue. But in retrospect, definitely was too horary. So we changed it to The Memory Thief, which is what it, the working title was. And we've sent it out and we got a few. We want a second read on this. And Hachette Grand Central was the most interested, but they were not sure. And what they kept saying, like, you know, maybe let's have you redo 30 pages and see how that looks. So like on spec. So I did that. And then they said, 
how about you redo the whole thing on spec? Mm. But our editor will make her edits. So in a way, they were doing me a favor because they were writing on spec too. I mean, an editor's time is valuable. And we had a really good discussion, the editor, myself, and Rachel. Alex Logan is her name, the editor. And then I put it in again after the edits. And then I had them and another another publisher also made an offer then too. So I had two and then we worked it up and I, I worked with a better one, which ended up for that book being uh, Grand Central. Mm. All right. So it took me a year. Yeah. You had like a partial R&R and then a full R&R. Yes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is time for the first cue of the podcast. Can you read your successful query letter for us? Dear Ms. Eggstrom, Word is out that you are looking for a novel that will, in quotes, make your heart beat faster than when you are biking through Manhattan traffic, in quotes. Get your pacemaker ready. I am writing to seek representation for my medical mystery, The Psych Ward, which takes place over a snowy winter in Buffalo, New York. Our heroine is like every other psychiatrist, a little crazy and looking for her mother. Zoe Goldman is a psychiatry resident who sees her own psychiatrist for ADHD, in parentheses, think young female Woody Allen, and parentheses, and is haunted by childhood memories of a fire that killed her mother. When she meets her newest patient, a sociopath who killed her own mother at age 14, Zoe's fixation on her mother blooms into obsession. She resolves to unravel the mystery of her mother's fiery death but ends up unraveling her whole world instead with a harrowing discovery. Her adoptive mother has been lying about the fire all along, and her matricidal patient is far more than just a patient, and now is a brand new target, Dr. Zoe Goldman, her psychiatrist. I am a practicing neurologist and former English major at Harvard. I've been published in both medical and poetry journal journals, my novel fits in the medical suspense genre with a humorous edge of Gillian Flynn or Kate Atkinson. I do hope you will consider representing me sincerely. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. So how has your experience been since signing that first contract? Especially let us know if there was anything that really surprised you along the way. It's been full of up and downs. I think my biggest surprise is how out of control you feel. With the mm. whole process, you give your baby in a way to up to unsub, which to me is just dreadful. It's like saying, all, having all these people come and say, yeah, you know, your baby's kind of ugly, but I'm sure <laughs> someone else thinks it's pretty. You know what I mean? I think it's just more difficult than I thought it would be. I'm not a patient person. That's become abundantly obvious. I wish I were more of a chill kind of laid back person. I will say I've become more rolling with the punches because otherwise you just won't survive. You got to thicken mm -hmm. your skin a little bit. But I would say the biggest surprise is just that 
it's difficult. It's a lot of ups and downs and it's a tough business. Yeah. It is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA. I know that you are a neurologist has nothing to do with actual DNA, just classification. So we like to put writers in. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Plotter. Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? Underwriter. Do you prefer to write in the morning or at night? Uh, morning. I am a night owl. And that was one of the reasons where why I didn't write really for 20 years is because mm-hmm. I just assumed I'd have to write at night. Mm. But I was too exhausted at night. And when I made that one big change to writing in the morning at age 40 or so, that was definitely a big shift to making me more productive. Interesting. When you start a new project, do you typically start with a character or plot or concept or something else first? I'm going to say all of the above because (laughs) I've done it all different ways for Uh, different books. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. When writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? Silence. When writing the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? I'm a get it down kind of person, probably to my detriment. Uh, but yeah, I got to just at least try to get it down. Although sometimes I will say that, you know, you'll come back and say, oh, that really wasn't so bad, like what mm-hmm. I put in there. So mm-hmm. that's, it works yeah. sometimes. What tools or software do you use to draft? I work on an iPad and I have Microsoft Word 365 or whatever on the iPad. So if it ever gets lost, I'm not dead. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? Uh, revising for sure. Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? Mainly sequential. If I get really stuck, I may jump to somewhere where I'm excited about to see. And final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Introvert. Now we're going to talk about the second cue of the podcast. What were some of the qualms or worries that you had on your journey and were they realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out? qualms was sort of the same thing that I had said about the difficulties along the way of the lack of control. You know, maybe like what an editor would do, would it would it come out okay? And I found in general more than okay. I mean, it's a much better product usually after you've worked with them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes maybe not. And the knowing if the covers will be okay when you don't have that much control. Again, I think it comes down to lack of control, but I think overall, those qualms were not too bad. Mm -hmm. And now for the third cue, do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? I would say, and I don't know if it's unique or not, but I really have to be looking outside when I'm writing. Oh, I mean, I can do it if I'm forced to (laughs) and I'm in... I don't know, waiting for my kids at a pool or something like that. But in general, I sit in a similar place, kitchen table, looking outside at the birds, bird feeder. If I'm on vacation, I'm usually looking at an ocean. I don't live by an ocean, but sometimes in the warmer weather, I'll be on the porch, but I'm always looking outside. Interesting. When you were in the lowest parts of your journey, whatever that may have been for you, what kept you going and why did you stick to it? Yeah, I mean, there were definitely low points, like before my newest book, you know, I went a couple of years with some misfires there where yeah, a couple of the books, you know, one of them, I I really felt like 
just didn't turn out right. I don't mm-hmm. know. You put all this time into a book and then you think, wow, this is just not a good book. Mm-hmm. You know, you can put all these, I'm writing 750 words a day, but if they really don't add up to much, you haven't done a whole lot. So <laughs> that was, you know, that was difficult. How did I get through it? I will say a couple of things. One is that I was kind of kind to myself, like, all right, well, if you're not in the mood to write today, don't write today. It's okay. Mm. You might need to just get some more water in the well and do some other things. And just, you know, when you are ready to write again, start writing again. And then just having faith that you will be able to, you know, get published again. I was really even worried, like, would I even publish Mm. again? I feel like every book you never know in a way, unless Mm -hmm. you're a very successful author but just kind of having that faith that you know how to do it you've done it before and and you can do it again yeah do you feel like you made any mistakes along the way to publication that maybe you'd like to share with listeners so they don't make the same ones i would say you know read some books on crafting and some books on writing you don't necessarily have to read a book on like the philosophy of writing or even just like go get them. You can do this. I I think just really some specific knowledge about plot points, about different types of narratives, about, you know, where to add tension and how you make, you know, chapters shorter as you're going along. If you're doing a thriller and you're adding, ratcheting up tension, really kind of basic concrete things. I think I could have saved myself a lot of heartache along the way if I had done that before. Can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey to publication? If you carve out a little bit of every day to write, you can write a book. There's more time in your life than you think. And even just writing for my first book, I basically wrote for a half hour every morning mm. and I wrote a book. And mm-hmm. you can steal time when you're hanging out, waiting at a doctor's office. At least if you're editing, for me, it's hard to do that in another way. But there are practical things like me changing over from a computer to an iPad made a huge difference because I didn't really like waiting for it to load and log on. And I didn't like the battery might not, you'd have to find your cord. I mean, these all sound really stupid and simple, but you can just carry an iPad around and then just drag it out and do some writing. So I would say that it's it's doable. It's definitely not pipe dream. It can be done. I call this the acknowledgements portion of the podcast. This is not a business that most of us succeed on. Most <laughs> This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. So who are some of the people or organizations who helped you along the way and how? I would say the two biggest people is one is Ed Park. He's a friend of mine from high school. We went to high school together. Oh. We were the co-editors of the Nichols News. So um, we were, you know, sort of writing friends in a sense back then. He's always been an excellent, he's an amazing writer. He's a very funny, funny writer and a very kind person. And he just, you know, he gave me a lot of email advice. I mean, I don't think we really talked over the phone again, but he just was very, just really supportive. So that's one person. Jeff Rodkey is another person I know from Harvard. He did the Tappet Brother books. I think he's done both young adult, both middle age, and then he's got a newer one about Hollywood, 
which I haven't read yet. But And I'd say the last person is probably Martin Bruce Smith or Bill Smith. He was is my college roommate's father. And when I got my first book deal that I was trying to figure out, well, first of all, I talked to him 20 years before that when I was trying to, you know, get, get a book <laughs> going and it didn't go anywhere. But all those years later, when I was debating between the two publishers, he kind of, you know, he kind of said, well, there isn't really much of a choice, is there, the way he put it. And he was right. I mean, I think he was, he was correct, but he was also very supportive and was like, you know, you should be breaking out the champagne. It's not easy to get a publishing deal, especially nowadays. So, so I thought, you know, that really, he didn't have to take the time to talk to me, you know, and he did. And, and I appreciated it. And his wife too is amazing. She read through some of my first writing and kindly told me you don't have to use an adverb after every sentence. So that was nice too. Yeah. Before you go, Sandra, you just had a book come out in May, Girl Overboard. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it is my first YA book. Kind of funny story how that came to be is that my agent sent me an email kind of offhanded like, do you have any YA ideas? And I said, Sure, though I didn't really. And I came up with like five ideas and one of them was about a cruise, which I thought was kind of cheesy and I didn't really almost didn't even put it on there. And I said, we love the cruise idea. So can you write 20 pages? So I wrote 20 pages really fast, which I don't normally work that way, but it really flowed and I got a book deal. So it is about Izzy, who is a 15 year old being dragged on a cruise to Bermuda by her parents. She makes this friend who's a super cool Jade kind of influencer vibes, really would never hang around with Izzy. Can't believe she's hanging out with someone as, as geeky as she is. And they are on this cruise. And then one day Jade goes missing. And the question is, what happened to Jade? She's got to find out. Nice. Do you feel like you kind of went full circle because you were going on a cruise when you got your offer <laughs> and then your most recent book is set on a cruise? That's really funny. I really, I didn't think of it that way, but <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe my next cruise, I'll, I'll get another great offer or something like that. But <laughs> no, COVID, I, we haven't been cruising for a long time, but mm-hmm. in the future, I would, I'm embarrassingly fond of cruises. So hopefully maybe in the future. Sandra, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with my listeners. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. You can find the text of Sandra's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. That is Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.